Hello and welcome to Voices of Enablement by GTM Buddy, an interview series focusing on the key issues affecting the enablement community today. It's a tough market right now. Organizations are cutting staff, pausing investments into the go-to-marketing department. How do you make a compelling case for the value of enablement is the core question that we are seeking to answer. So our guest today is Nick Salas. He's currently leading global revenue enablement at Serial Labs. Uh, welcome, Nick. Pleasure having you on the show. I'd love for you to introduce yourself. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Thanks for uh, asking me to participate. Um, yeah, that very important topics I think you guys are covering. So it's uh, good stuff. Um, but yeah, as mentioned, uh, my name is Nick Salas. Um, I lead the the global revenue enablement uh, function at Sirion. And, um, you know, I was hired to come in and really bring some structure to, to uh, you know, the enablement strategy for Sirion for all the go-to market, uh, the mm -hmm. our customer teams primarily, um, where, you know, where enablement has really not, not existed a lot in the past. Mm -hmm. um, to bring some rigor and some structure to it, mm -hmm. um, so so it's a it, it's a big responsibility. But uh, you know, luckily there's a lot of there's a lot of overlap with the customer facing enablement that can be, um, you know, that all teams should be, um, you know, should be on the same page about. So I've been doing um, I've been doing enablement since 2016 was my very first enablement role, mm -hmm. and I got I got into it from um, I was a quota carrying sales rep before that um, in yeah. software, and and before that I was doing um, I was selling, uh, I was in electrical distribution, so a little bit different industry, but, mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, here we are. Yeah, I, I, I saw Nick's profile, Nick uh, was an AE for almost 10 years, so obviously he has a vantage point on both the worlds, so he understands the sales um, uh, yeah, perspective as well as, as well as the enablement perspective. Um, as I said, I'm really excited for this conversation, let's get into this. Um, Nick, like you said, it's a very important topic, um, you know, I think in a time like this, we know these are tough times for the enablement, a lot of layoffs are happening. So the very first question that I want to ask is that how do you elevate the role of sales enablement with the C-suite when many of the support functions are being cut? Yeah, I I really like that question because you know there's this there's a debate or not not really a debate but a discussion going through the enablement circles right now around about you know should sales enablement have a seat um, yeah. at the at the executive level and you know I think I you know regardless of 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 where your point of view is on that I think. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, here at Sterion, I've, I've been asked to report, um, directly into the C-suite. So that's mm -hmm. given me a complete, it's given me a little bit of a different, um, viewpoint, uh, mm -hmm. on, on what types of things that the C-suite actually cares about. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, one thing that I've learned is, um, you know, training, train, you know, training different groups of people is a very episodic event typically. And it's been seen in the past as kind of a one and done and, mm -hmm. Um, you know, kind of building building lists and and making check boxes against different topics of training that that people believe that this, the sales reps need to be enabled on. Checking those boxes and then moving on to the next thing is not is not what the C suite cares about. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you know, I, I think we've always kind of known that in enablement, yeah. but but it's been made uh, you know even more clear to me through this uh, through this role and through the reporting structure that I'm in. Mm -hmm. uh, so you know, I think kind of a long way to answer your question, um, but you know, I think. We have to align with the with the C-suite on mm -hmm. what they on what information they care about, mm -hmm. and not, not only not only what they care about, but we also, you know, as enablement leaders, need to come with a point of view and inform them on things that they should be thinking about um, in terms of how we are able to make it you know measurable impacts on on the training efforts of of our sales reps and our other go-to market teams. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think you mentioned a great point on the that the checklist in enablement. They don't care about the activities that you do. It's more about the the organization objectives. Uh, you know, whatever training programs or enablement initiatives that we are taking, are they? Yeah. You know, is there any outcomes to that? So I, I think just dip, digging down on on just particular that part. 
So like what kind of metrics do you, since you report to the C-suite and again, the expectations are very different. So can you talk to us more on the, what kind of objection setting or, um, uh, you know, I, I would say goal setting that, uh, you know, you can uh, work on to again, elevate your role with the, with the C-suite. Yeah, that, yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, I've, I've always been a big fan of competency frameworks and you, you and mm -hmm. I talked about a, yeah. a little in this, but, um, you know, I think, I think being able to level set and get, get executive alignment on what the, what the ideal competencies are that, that, that make up, um, mm -hmm. you know, the, the, the type of role that you're trying to hire for, mm -hmm. um, I think is, I think is a really important first step because once you have that competency framework aligned, you can, you can start prioritizing, um, your enablement programs and, and get, and get stronger support and, and alignment mm -hmm. because, mm -hmm. because at that point you're not, um, you know, you're not just guessing what the, mm -hmm. what the needs but you're able to back it up with, you know, with a very structured uh, framework. And, you know, I think, I, I think a really good way to elevate the enablement role um, today, you know, when, when resources are so scarce and, you know, we're trying to build things that frankly, we, we, we might not be cut out or suited to build. Um, but I think, yep. I think really, I think it's taking a really hard stance on, on, you know, competency frameworks and what that looks like for each role that, that we're supporting in enablement. Um, and if, if we're able to show that we're having a measurable impact on the competencies that the sales leaders care about. Mm. At that point, at that point, our department, our function becomes more of a profit center because we can start linking these revenue generating activities to to competencies that we're helping the teams to elevate. So I, I think I think that framework is a really and and you know like in the pro, in the process of building these frameworks, we're going to find some competencies that frankly we might never get to. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, but 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 there, there's always going to be some core competencies um, that are that are kind of standard across what all sales leaders are looking to achieve with their teams. Mm. Um, that, that I that I think on a quarter to quarter basis we should be, you know, focusing on to help elevate our role. Yeah, yeah, and I think that is where enablement really comes across as a strategic partner because rather than running blind initiatives, you are analyzing okay, what are the competencies that salespeople lack on, and can we drive those behavioral changes? And once yeah. those initiatives that you roll out and that is where you are able to show the impact. They understand the value of enablement. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's it's really, and you know this, and all enablement leaders will, I'm sure, will empathize. It's really, yeah. really hard to to you know turn in a sheet of paper at the end of the quarter that has a grade for enablement. Mm. Like how like how did we do, and how can we prove that what we mm. did making those those types of measurable impacts? So I think it's on us, and I think we really need to get creative and mm. um, and create you know dashboards and data points and you know keep making tweaks to mm. to really understand what's going to be helpful and impactful for you know not, not only the c-suite that i report up into but you know for mm. you know for for what, whatever leadership function is is aligned to to support you know from an executive level the enablement role mm. um you know what what are those measurable data points and impacts mm. um you know the, the lagging and leading indicators that we can that we can start reporting on um, mm. I, th I think i think those are the really important and and, you know, we have to figure out all this while still doing our day job, <laughs> which is, you know, building programs, you know, listening to calls, uh, you know, building coaching frameworks, planning QBRs and SKO. So, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a big undertaking, um, mm. but it's, it's obviously very important, you know, especially, especially in these, in, in today's day and age where our role is being more scrutinized and yeah. we, we really have to prove out that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think yeah, there's a lot of enablement teams do again, right in a time like this. We're selling his stuff, you know, I think now more than ever enablement is required. My CEO always says that uh, I think they're not getting the due because of a lot of scrutiny that is happening around. 
um that is yeah. why you know one of the reasons that we wanted to have this conversation that you know can we help or what can we talk about to help measure the role and and elevate the role yeah yeah it's it's a good topic and and you know i think i think one thing that's important for for us too is understanding um and and this this was one of the one of the points that that you had you had mentioned mm. um, in our pre our previous conversation which is around um you know how, how how can we how do we balance the time that we're spending or that we're asking the reps to spend on getting enabled versus yeah. you know against the time that they're being asked to actually do revenue generating activities because just like our role in enablement the sales reps themselves are being heavily scrutinized on their performance mm. so mm. which makes it even more um, important for us to, to you know to communicate the the value of these programs and and prove to the sales reps prove to these teams that, mm. that these these activities are worth their time that they're yeah. going to help move the needle that they're going to have measurable outcomes because otherwise we're just seen as an extension of of the training department and yeah we have to differentiate ourselves yeah 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 and i i think that is where this is I, second question um you know until they clearly know what this will bring uh, you know the change that will bring they will just think of it as a chore to do or just any uh, any other training program and one thing that right. i've heard from all the enablement leaders that you know you can only do so much, so much you know there's a lot of dependency on the frontline sales managers to drive the adoption of those initiatives if that is not happening the the outcome will not come so can you right. talk to us more on you know what kind of um goal setting that you do with the frontline sales managers so that the, the end users they take this uh, training or the enablement initiative seriously so that you get the outcome that you want to get by rolling out all these programs yeah that's a great question um you know i think what, one of the most important things is involving the frontline sales manager in the mm -hmm. content um you know mm -hmm. in the in the actual training content so mm -hmm. you know it, it instead of making assumptions or building mm -hmm. content that may not that, that in you know against areas where the the sales reps might not need content mm -hmm. uh, is you know that's not a good approach mm -hmm. so i think you know the our our whole role in enablement one of you know one of our core responsibilities is is understanding uh, the needs of of the the teams that we serve and we can only understand those needs if we have legitimate conversations um and have and 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 we can have data to kind of help support that but mm. you know one of, one of the things i've always been very adamant about is um, you know, involving the frontline sales manager in, in in the actual process and creation of the content. So whether whether it's them taking a, an active role in in the actual training portion, or mm. whether they're just kind of, kind of a subject matter expert and they're advising um, on on the content. But and you know, a, a lot of times what I found too is you know they they have people on they have folks on their team mm. who who may excel in a certain competency or skill mm. area. That they can have on and 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 bring in support, and then and when you kind of start creating this ecosystem of of internal trainers, internal SMEs, um, you know that are that's that you're you're kind of having the frontline manager act as an advisor, yeah, uh, that it, as kind of a, a kind of a training committee, if you will, mm. um, you know, then it becomes more of their voice and less of enablement's voice, mm. and and the buy-in and adoption tends to tends to go up a little bit. Yeah, yeah, and again, right? They can because they connect with the enable the sales team day in and day out, so the reinforcement can happen. And you mentioned a great point about uh, some of the sellers being maybe great at one or two competencies. So how how do you lean on them, right? Can can you talk to us more on you know some of the reps that excel at particular competency? How do you rely on them to roll out your initiatives? Yeah, so I I, th I think it's important to create you know to have to create a culture of of openness, mm. Um, mm. And of you know crowdsourcing and you know kind of brain sharing knowledge and you know mm. 
I think one of the challenges that we're faced with in enablement, especially those of us who are enabling global teams, mm -hmm. is that you know the team the team over in in Asia Pacific is might be excelling, and the things that they're doing um, mm -hmm. are, are are really helping them to excel. And the North America team, for example, has no has has absolutely no idea what they're doing to be so successful. Yeah. And so I think I think creating that culture of uh, you know bringing the teams together and making everybody kind of feel like one one united sales team is mm -hmm. a really important so so in in almost every training in almost every enablement program uh mm -hmm. that i run i try to bring on um a, a, a sales rep who has had success in that area and can speak to their peers because mm -hmm. those that that always lends a lot more credibility than yeah. the enablement person talking because it, it could be viewed as you know theoretical or well in, in, these, in this hypothetical situation that this enablement person is conjuring up but it, you know if, if you can take actual sales scenarios yeah. um, and then you can then you can apply it to the rep who actually moved moved through that sales process um, and talk mm -hmm. through the competency it's it, it has a lot more impact yeah yeah and i i think sales people do love the recognition and the limelight and can we lean on them I, and i have seen this yeah. you know enablement teams reaching out Hey, that this is the deal that you close. Can you talk to uh, to the peers that how did this particular competency help it? And then it automatically drives those initiatives. Yeah, so, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, uh, great. So the other question Nick, I have is again, um, again, it, in a lot of especially in India that I talk to, enablement is not as mature as probably in the in the West. They still think of enablement as as just the onboarding or training, but we all know that is not enough. So so, mm -hmm. and I think in a time like this when you're not hiring a lot of reps, so. What kind of enablement initiatives can you provide to the tenure reps? Yeah, that's I I really like that question because um, you know we're not focusing a lot of our time on on keeping the onboarding program mm. up to date. Um, yeah, you know I, that that's always for an enablement leader that's like always in the back of our minds is is <laughs> is, is our is our onboarding up to date. Uh, but you know, like you said, you know, right now is not at least for for me for us here it's not as huge of a priority as it has been in the past, mm. and so. You know, I think, um, you know, for the tenured reps, what they, a lot of what they want to be enabled on is process because, mm -hmm. you know, there's, there, there's always, there's always skills that they can, you know, that they can work on, that they can enhance. Mm -hmm. But, you know, a, a lot of times it's, it's, um, you know, how, how can you make the, how can you, as an enablement leader, how can I help these tenured reps get their deals done faster? You know, mm -hmm. because, a lot, because a lot of them have, have the, you know, kind of, you know, baseline competencies to, to drive mm -hmm. sales. To drive the sales conversations and 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 you know the demos and discovery and the competition and objection and all that, mm. um, but it, but you know from my experience it's become more of like you know help help me remove these roadblocks by mm. by building by building processes and bringing teams together so that there's alignment on on what the rules of engagement are so that mm -hmm. I can get this, so that I can get this deal done and through the door so so a lot of it just becomes you know breaking down internal barriers and red tape um, yeah. by building. By building processes, enabling all the teams on what those processes are and what they should be, and mm -hmm. the, the tenured reps will love you for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think because once they're three, four years in the system, you know, obviously there's always scope to learn. But I think the process side, if we can make it smoother for them, because I think once a team grows, we know there is a lot of you know with the deal desk, with the contract signing team, and then the solution consulting team, CS team. There, there goes a lot, and sometimes you wish that okay, we are also selling internally. You know, you are trying to get all this stuff, uh, you know, done just to you know get this contract easier. Um, so I think if we can make that process simpler, like you said, they love you for that. Yeah, totally. And and you know, that's not to discredit the other. You know, like they, we need to be enabling them on product, and you know, yeah. any any changes to our messaging and our ICP mm -hmm. and 
um, you know, those are all very important skills too. Um, so I don't want to discredit those, but yeah, uh, well, they, they they typically can be enabled on those areas quicker because of their tenure. Yeah. Um, so it becomes more about you know what we talked about, which is removing any friction from the sales process. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Um, Nick, one other question that I think again I speak to uh, everybody speak about this that they're forgetting curve, right? You train them and then you forget the inf- people forget the information. Every enablement person wants to work on the reinforcement of the knowledge to drive the knowledge retention because if that is not happening, the outcomes will not will not happen. So can yeah. you talk to us more on on some of the reinforcement initiatives that you do? How do you ensure that the you know that it could be through the through the frontline sales manager, it could be through the tools that you use. So yeah, so can you talk to us about the reinforcement process? Yeah, um, yeah, I, I love talking about reinforcement because I don't think it's done enough. At least for me, it's not. I, I don't do it enough as as much as I should. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know what? I, I think I think a really important strategy to include in any enablement program is coaching, mm-hmm. and and the coaching. You know, we in enablement. You know, we we can train on on content. We can deliver exceptional programs. Um, but you know, if, if we go back to the kind of the three pillars of knowledge, skills, and behavior. You know, it's 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 really the behavior where we can understand whether or not that knowledge is being retained and yeah. and executed in the field, and and really, you know, those frontline managers are are the closest to these reps, mm-hmm. and if we can if we can build kind of this culture of, um, you know, like listening and and engaging with in field activities, mm-hmm. um, then we then we can understand in enablement how the how how the content and programs are being applied, um, and mm-hmm. that. And, and then, you know, for me, that really helps build the reinforcement strategy, which is, you know, if, if, if we did something initially and it didn't stick or it did stick, what went right, what can we double down on or what went wrong and what, what do we need to, to kind of reinforce? But, um, you know, there's this whole concept of, of spaced reinforcement, which is, you know, delivering small chunks of knowledge over spaced yeah. extended periods of time. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's, I think that's, that's really effective. Um, but, you know, the way, the way I think about it is more along the lines of, um, well, how, how can I just listen to, to their, to what they're doing mm. and see, and, you know, kind of dissect their process and look to mm. see if, if the message is being delivered accurate, accurately, if the objections are being, uh, handled, if the competition is being framed in, in the, the correct, you know, all, all the things that we do, right. Mm. Um, so that's, that's kind of the approach I like to take. Yeah. Yeah. And I think if we look at it, I, it's kind of the foundation of, um, everything that we are trying to achieve, like you said, you know, the behavioral change will not happen if they are not retaining the knowledge, and if that is not happening, you know, we'll not be able to show the value of those initiatives or the outcome of this, those initiatives. So I think in that process, it becomes very critical that they retain all the knowledge that we have given them or all the training that they have given them, which is tough. Um, but again, I, uh, can we do more more of those reinforcement programs? Yeah, and and, and you know, again, you know, I, I'll bring this up again, which is partnering with the frontline manager. You know, can can we help them? Can we provide them a structure to help them coach, mm. um, so so that there is so that they can see that the reinforcement is is being is happening, and so that we in enablement can start seeing that competency progress, mm. you know, in areas where where it needs to progress. Yeah, yeah. Nick, I have to ask. A lot of people say that okay, collaborating with frontline sales manager is not easy. You know, it's it's really like selling internally that uh, you know okay why why we want your reps to do this uh, go through this training probably at this this time of the quarter because they always want to uh, you know make sure that sell, sellers are spending more time in selling so can yeah. you talk to us more on the, the metrics that you talk about or uh, the uh, outcomes that you spoke about okay well, what is usually your narrative when you are having the conversation with the frontline sales manager on why this particular training or initiative is important yeah i you know 
one of the thing I've no, one thing I've noticed about frontline managers is they're 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 not short of of opinions. <laughs> so so it, it it just becomes a matter of of extracting those opinions. But you know, most sales managers I work with, they can always kind of speak anecdotally to to things that they that their sales team is not doing. Um, mm-hmm. They don't always have you know you know hard data or you know dashboards or whatever to to back it up. But they you know they've they spend enough time with their with their individual contributors, and they kind mm-hmm. of know. They have a really good sense of, you know, like my my reps need help in in value selling. Like we need to do mm-hmm. we need to do enablement on on selling to value, and mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I think I think what the important part about partnering with with frontline managers is is to uh, you know deliver content that's that's relevant to their to the what their individual contributors are experiencing on a day to day basis. Mm-hmm. So it's it's taking it's taking the kind of genericized, you know, hypothetical type of of training which is you know that, that can be essentially applied to any organization mm. and it's making and it's making it making tailored use cases for mm. for the frontline manager and again you know going back to you know involving them which is like tell me give me a specific scenario you know that mm. we need to that we that we should build this enablement around um and then mm. let's find let's find some internal um subject matter experts or if that's yourself or if you know if you want enablement to take it on you know mm. we can do that but let's but you know let's let's target those specific scenarios that you're seeing in your team um, mm. and see if we, if we can have an impact there. And then that, you know, that, that takes it, that takes it out of the, the generic, you know, sales training that, you know, that's, that's been around for forever. Yep. That has no, no customized use cases attached to it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that is where enablement again is being a strategic partner because you're going to the frontline sales manager with a lot of data because you have all this data, you have listened to the calls. You can tell right. this particular rep is lacking in this particular competency. And that is when they, you know, you get an easy buy-in from them that if you're you're able to improve this particular competency or drive this behavioral change, this is the impact that we'll see in the revenue. And that is all that they care about. So I think this, it again right. starts from the analyzing the, the things that you do, like you were saying, right? Listen to a lot of calls. Yeah, exactly. And and if you have a, if you have a, a well thought out competency framework built, then you mm. can, then you can start attaching these different areas to competencies. Um, mm. And at the end of the month, the quarter, whatever, you can, mm. you know, the enablement leader can go back to enablement and we can talk about the competence, the, the time that we spent mm. um, targeting enablement programs towards, towards different competencies. Um, yeah. and, and, and then, you know, getting an assessment on whether or not that's, um, you know, those competencies are, you know, if, if we're trending up into the right. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, awesome, Nick. I think you, uh, we were able to actually finish this in, in a, in, in, on, on time thank you so much um, you know for for your sharing your perspective that brings us to the end of the show uh, it was pretty insightful for me and i'm sure a lot of the other enablement practitioners are going to you know like what you spoke about how to uh, you know set those uh, goals with your cro or with this with the ceo um yeah thanks again thank you so much for coming on the show of course yeah thanks for having me much appreciated yeah